Hello there. You are listening to the Fumble Rooski Podcast by Power 88. I am CJ Medeiros, along with my good friend, Justin Tucker. You may notice someone is missing. Well, mm-hmm. and it's our main man, Adam Wright. Much like the great Brian Mucker before him, Adam's out tonight. <laughs> and here is what we have planned for you guys. We got, of course, we got some interesting segments for you. The Packers, as it sits now, are the one seed. The AFC, you know, is still open. Got lots of competition going on there. We'll cover some of the teams that have been eliminated. Of course, we'll do the game of the week. And, of course, everyone's favorite, the Fumble Rooski Fan Box. All right, without further ado, let's get rocking. Let's get rolling. Let's get this show on the road. And we are going to kick off our first segment here. So, Justin, the Cardinals lost on Monday Night Football. To the Rams, and that means the Green Bay Packers take the one seed. Should they possibly be worried about LA and Tampa creeping up on them? Do you think they can retain it? And like, just what are your thoughts on that? Retain? Are you asking if the Cardinals can retain their spot? Or are you asking if the Packers can? I meant, yeah, the Packers. Sorry. I think the Packers can because they have the talent and they have Aaron Rodgers on their team. So it's definitely possible for them to keep that spot. I think the only question is, can they consistently do it? And I think they can. I think they got the Ravens coming up who are riddled with injuries. So they should be able to keep it for at least another week. And then I like their schedule for the rest of the season for, for them to be like, okay, I could see them ending up as the one seed again for the third straight year. So as far as I'm concerned, it's theirs to lose. I think the Cardinals mishandled their opportunity on Monday Night Football. They should. I don't think they should have lost that game, but now that they've lost, they're now taking a backseat to the Packers. And if they have to go up to Green Bay and face them, I don't think they'll win. You know what? I kind of feel the same way. I really do. Because the Cardinals, you know, they've lost to the Rams. They lost to the Packers. These are two of the heavyweights in the NFC, and and I mean, just, I feel like this kind of says more about the Cardinals. I just, I don't, I mean, they've beaten some good competition when it comes to, like, the cream of the crop, the teams that are right on their tier. They just haven't been able to get it done. And you, when you look at the Packers remaining scheduled, the very injury-plagued Ravens, the Browns, that have a million people on the COVID list, granted they'll be back, but still, the Browns aren't going to beat that bad man, Aaron Rodgers. The Vikings, who, barring another miracle like in that, like it, like in their first game where they played, I don't really see them winning. And then, of course, the lowly Detroit Lions, who just, they're not going to win because Detroit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I feel that at this point in time, it is more likely than not that the Green Bay Packers win out. Mm-hmm. So there's another facet to this question that I want to float by you. So just hear me out, all right? All right. Aaron Rodgers, I believe, is what is he, 0-4 in his last four, like, NFC Championship games? That is correct. Aaron Rodgers, among some NFL circles, despite his gaudy regular season numbers, is starting to uh, have a bit of reputation as a guy who usually can't get it done in the playoffs. So, like I said, you have teams like L.A., you have teams like Tampa. Even if Green Bay does notch home field advantage, is that really going to matter if you can't get it done? I mean, like I said, L.A., Tampa, just what are your thoughts? Do you do you really think they're going to be favored over those two powerhouses? I think they will be because they're the number one seed, and they've proven it time and time again in the regular season they can do it. As far as who they – it depends on who they face in the divisional round. The Rams faced them in the divisional round last year and got whooped, in all honesty. And so I think they'll be looking for revenge if they do get the chance to face them again. But knowing them, it's iffy. Um, As far as the Cardinals are concerned, I need to see Kyler Murray in the playoffs because I don't know what he is in the playoffs. I haven't seen that before. Thought I would see it last season, didn't get to see it. Now I get the chance to possibly see it this season, and hopefully – he shows us that he is that dude and that franchise for the uh, Arizona Cardinals. But I'm not I don't think those two teams are the ones to worry me. I think it's more so the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because they know what it takes to be Aaron Rodgers and Lambeau. It's not the easiest place to play. 
Tom Brady beat Aaron Rodgers when he had a terrible second half against them, but a phenomenal first half. So I believe if he can just play good enough to let his defense, you know, go after Aaron Rodgers and not mess it up and hand the ball off to Leonard Fournette, who's apparently having a resurgence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. playoff Lenny, don't you know it? Mm-hmm. And so if he, if the Bucks are able to do what they did last season, oh, they'll win no problem. But I don't yeah, think yeah, I hear you. It's just if it's going to be a Brady Rogers matchup, maybe I'm biased, but history has shown that I, I, I'm going with Brady all day. I, I really am. I wonder why. I wonder why. Well, it couldn't be that last year has anything to do with it. Oh no, no. Mm-hmm. Now, nah, but on the all jokes aside, I just want to speaking of the NFC. You know, we're just going to take a quick look at the Buccaneers schedule to remain to see if maybe they can challenge, you know, maybe maybe they can challenge Green Bay for that one seed. So they have, so next they're hosting the Saints, you know, these divisional games, especially with the Saints are always crazy. I'm pretty sure you've mentioned that quite a few times. Then they're in Carolina, shouldn't be too bad. Then they visit the Jets, who are the Jets, and the Jets aren't going to win Jack. And then they host Carolina. I feel like they Unless the Saints have have a, another miracle game, I would uh, expect Tampa to go four and zero. But they're possibly going three and one because you know the Saints in the regular season are kind of like the Dolphins to Tom Brady in New England. You know, my my thing about them is they can play great against anybody, but when it comes to the Saints in the regular season, they just lose, and I can't find a reason why. Tom Brady just plays bad against them. There's no reason for it. There's no excuse for it. It's just he plays bad. I remember that Sunday night football game when they lost 38 to 3. And I was like, what the hell? I'm like, "Mm, there's no reason they should be losing. But at minimum, they should go 3 and 1 with this remaining schedule that they have because there's no reason they should lose to the Panthers the Jets, and, again, the Panthers. There's no reason for any of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should be able to safely handle all three of these teams. Yeah, he should. But, like I said, you know, you never know the Saints are going to play. The Saints are kind of like Tampa's wild card. You know, you never know, like, what they're going to do. Unless it's the playoffs, in which Brady will then beat them. But Mm -hmm. I don't think the Saints are making the playoffs. There's that. No, I don't think so. All right, so... Next topic, we will be discussing the AFC. It's still wide open. There are the teams like the Titans and the Ravens that are injured, and then you got teams like the Chiefs and the Patriots that are just finding their groove. And uh, we will be back to discuss that after this. All right, and we are back. This is the Fumble Rooski podcast by Power88. I'm CJ Medeiros. No Adam Wright, but I do have my man Justin Tucker. So... So we're back with it, and the AFC is as open as ever. I already mentioned this, but with the top four teams, the Titans and the Ravens, they're injured. And maybe, I mean, and maybe, just maybe, we can count them out of the Super Bowl race just strictly due to injuries alone. The Chiefs and the Patriots are finding their rhythm and notching a nice win streak. And then you got the Browns, the Chargers, the Bills, Bengals, and Colts all in the thick of it. So, Justin, like, what do you like about the AFC and, like, what do you see in these teams? Or more or less, like, what are your projections, basically? Let's start with that. First off, what I like about the AFC is how open it is because anybody can get the first seed. I don't care what it looks like right now. It's still wide open. If the Ravens win a game and the Chiefs lose a game, we're ahead of them. And if the Patriots lose twice, we can definitely be ahead of them. Because I could see them losing to Miami and to the Bills, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, I don't like the fact that my team is absolutely abused by injuries. It's ridiculous. Lamar Jackson, please, please not let it be a high ankle sprain. I need you. I, I need you just to have at least a fighting chance against Green Bay. I need you to at least be a, safe. Because if I lose you, it's my hope is gone. Because I ain't, I don't have any corners for Devontae Adams. It is what it is. 
Who I is your starting corner now, anyway? Anthony Everett and Chris Westry. Those are my two starting corners. Oh. Yeah. I am sorry. It is. I mean, I, I like Anthony Everett. He got me a pick. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. You know what? I mean, it's the small victories, Justin. Small victories. And if I may, it could be worse. It could be the Lions. I mean, you guys at least have the excuse that you're injured. The Lions don't have an excuse. They're just terrible. Yeah, and we're still in playoff contention. I'm happy. Exactly. I don't know. My only saving grace is sooner or later the Bengals have to play the Chiefs. So I'm fine with that. Um, I guess my, my real concern is what will the Patriots do and what will the Chiefs do? I'm not sure yeah. if the Chiefs can win out, but I think it'll be close. I think they can win most of their games. I think the Ravens will struggle to win some of these games because we still have to face Green Bay, the Rams, and the Bengals again, and the Steelers, who for some reason Big Ben wakes up to beat us. But all right. Yeah, it's those rivalry games, you know, those divisional rivalry games. They're always unpredictable. And I totally get it. That's kind of like New England going into Miami. And no matter how bad Miami is on paper, no matter how injured they are, when we go into Miami, it's it's a fight, and it shouldn't be. But you know what? Enough about that. So you mentioned the Kansas City Chiefs, mm-hmm. and we know, you know, they're on a – they got themselves a, a bit of a win streak. Yeah. And, and you know, they just absolutely pounded the Raiders – who, silly us, we once thought were good, never again. <laughs> and they're coming off wins. Wait, so think about it this way. They are literally on, well, I believe, a five to six game winning streak. Yeah, mm-hmm. six games where they beat the Giants, they beat the Packers, they beat the Raiders, they beat the Cowboys, they beat the Broncos, and they beat the Raiders again. Yeah. So they have four more games. And here's what we got. They're going to the Chargers, which is basically another home game because the Chargers don't have fans. And we can thank the Spanos family for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, I mean, look, I don't care if technically the Chiefs will have home field advantage. They said the Chargers have no fans. It doesn't matter because Justin Herbert is not real. You know, Justin Herbert's just – I love Justin Herbert. I really do. Kids just mm-hmm. amazing. Then – they host Pittsburgh. I don't know how to feel about Pittsburgh. Big Ben, yes, is rickety and old, but like you said, he can wake up at any given moment. And Pittsburgh does have that high-end talent to bail them out. Then they go to Cincy, which I don't expect Cincy to win, but I expect it at least be a fight. You know, two potent teams going up against each other. And then they go in Denver. Now, I know Mile High is not an easy place to play, but look, you either have Drew Locke or Teddy checkdowns. So I feel like that would be favorable for Kansas City. And honestly, it's not – I mean, even though they are they have to play the Chargers still, it's not a stretch to see them winning out. Mm-hmm. My thing with the Chargers and their win streak, some of those wins they didn't deserve. Like the first two you mentioned, the Giants and the Packers, they did not look solid against the Giants, and the Giants let them off the hook. And the Packers oh, yeah, you're right. Have, they only won by three, and they only beat the Packers by six. And they didn't have Aaron Rodgers. If they had Aaron Rodgers, that'd be a blowout. Instead of having Jordan Love, it'd be yeah. a blowout. So the only convincing one I saw or one of them was the Raiders. But, of course, well, they that's a Well, actually, I think it's both Raiders teams. I think it was both times. First time they beat the Raiders 41-14, and the second time they beat them 48-9. So I think it's safe to say the Raiders are not that team. Sorry, Raider Nation. That's just how it is. But, but I mean, uh, I do feel that the start of their win streak when they beat the Giants and the Packers, look, this, these, this is not the Chiefs of yore, all right? It's not. It's not. Those were before and now, you know, they put up 41 points, 19 against the Cowboys, which ugh, <laughs> I, I don't even know how to address that. Then you bought 22 against the Broncos and 48 against the Raiders. I, this is just a very weird team. And contrary to what we believe, it's their defense that's shaping up and not so much their offense. I mean, it's harder to say that after they just obliterated the Raiders. But look, their defense has been playing actually solid. Yeah. And they're a lot better than they are on paper. So that's definitely something to look out for. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you know, it's a 
briefly talk about the New England Patriots, which I know is your favorite subject. But don't worry, Justin, we're going to keep this brief because I like you. So after they marched up and down on the Bills, next they traveled to Indy, which you never, I mean, Indy is a very weird team. You never know what you're going to get. You either have Carson Wentz throwing picks like he's Jameis Winston, or you, either have, or you have Jonathan Taylor that's going to march for five touchdowns on you. Then they host Buffalo, which I do feel mildly confident about that, seeing as it's in New England. If <coughs> Buffalo can't beat us 32 times running the ball, then I don't know what they're going to do with us when we pass. Then we host Jacksonville, which I'm going to cry if we don't win that, because Jacksonville. And then we go to Miami, which, as I mentioned, for some reason is never easy. So but my gut instinct tells me the Pats might split and go two and two. But I also believe it's not too much of a stretch to see them winning out. It's possible. I don't think they're gonna, but I feel like three and one would work. What do you think? If they go three and one, I'm not sure that guarantees them the one seed. But I think that's a solid, solid record. They'll have a home playoff game, that's for sure. They'll win their division. So right now, I'll continue, I'm sorry. But... It it all depends on what they do against Miami and what they do against the Bills. If they lose those two games, then the Bills have a chance to take that from you. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. Um, I do feel that if we beat the Bills a second time, that all but, like, guarantees us the division. Mm-hmm. So uh, I feel like, you know, Bill, Bill's a very don't-look-ahead-one-step-at-a-time guy. So I feel like at first they're not – I don't feel like they're going for the AFC. I mean, they are, but not right now. I feel like their first priority is, like, winning the division. You basically control what you can control. You know, that's always been one of Bill's uh, philosophies, as it were. And before we move on, I do want to talk about some of the teams that are in the hunt. We addressed the Chargers. We kind of talked about the Bills and the Bengals. And we got the Colts and the Browns. Like, what do you think of these teams? Can any of these teams, like, make a surprise run to maybe go to the AFC Championship game, maybe go deep into the playoffs? If it's any of those teams, it's the Colts. They have a good offense and a good defense and a good special teams. They're a much more well-rounded team than when they started off. And Jonathan Taylor is playing like a beast out there. He's like a man amongst boys. Yeah, you're right. If he's able to go and they're able to go with him, yeah, they can make some noise in the AFC. They they have the best chance out of anybody in those wildcard teams. Yeah, I mean, Jonathan Taylor is my non-quarterback MVP pick. You know, if it wasn't such a quarterback-heavy award, I would say it would go to Jonathan Taylor. But, oh well, that is what it is. And the Chargers, I feel like they might have a chance, mm-hmm. you know, depending on how things play out, because they're not a bad team. The Bengals are horribly inconsistent. The Bills are also... When they lose, they lose in embarrassing fashion. And then there's the Browns. Remember how we all had expectations for them? What a laugh we all had. And, and uh, I feel I don't, I don't, I wouldn't, I mean, a lot of people say, oh, Browns going to make the wild card. I don't know. Because if you look at, I mean, the Browns are just an interesting team to me. And if you look at their remaining games, mm-hmm. they host the Raiders which I will grant you does not sound like a challenge. However, they let a very injured Ravens team almost come back and win. They almost Browns did. And then you've got got to factor in the fact that they have the following players on the COVID list. Starting quarterback Baker Mayfield, who might come off, you know, with with a Christmas miracle, he might come off. Mm -hmm. You got Austin Hooper, the starting tight end. Number one receiver Jarvis Landry, defense, a uh, rotating defensive piece, uh, Takaris McKinley, two of your starting alignmen, Wyatt Teller and Jedrick Wills, slot corner Troy Hill, starting strong safety John Johnson the third, and uh, rotational piece guard Drew Forbes. These are some big guys they're missing, and and if they don't even come back for their next game where they have to venture to Lambeau to play the Packers. Mm-hmm. I feel like if they lose these next two games, stick a fork in them, they're done. Because then they have to go to Pittsburgh, which, you know, divisional games always play close. Then they host Cincy. Now, with COVID, and, you know, guys with COVID, they take a while to recover. 
if when you factor in that consideration, I always say it's not that much of a stretch to see a team winning out. In this case, I don't think it's that much of a stretch to see the Browns losing out. Oh my God! I don't think they'll lose out. I think they'll. No, get... I don't think they're going to lose out. They're probably. They're probably. I would say two and two or one and three. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I'm not saying they're going to lose out. I'm just saying I wouldn't be shocked. Well, thankfully, they had their COVID hit against the Raiders. I think they'll get most of their guys back afterwards. But I, Yeah, but the, oh, yeah, in Lambeau, where they can probably not beat the Packers. Yeah, they'd have more of a fighting chance with those players than not. I all mean, around, they're a good fair, team. Fair. All around, they're a good team. They just need to figure it out. Like oh, yeah also, yeah, also their head coach, Kevin Stefanski, will probably miss the game because COVID. Yeah. I mean, it's not the first time he's done it, and they still want to play yeah. after without him. Yeah, they beat the the mangled Steelers team, but I don't know. This is like a much tougher schedule than I think a lot of people would give it credit for. Mm-hmm. All right. You know what, Justin? I love talking about this, but we have to move on. Next up, we're going to be covering some of the teams that were eliminated, and, you know, it's never truly, especially for these guys, to talk about their path forward. We're going to talk about that after this. All right. You are listening to the Fumble Rooski podcast by Power 88. We're back. I'm CJ Medeiros. Once again, no Adam Wright, but I do have my favorite Ravens fan, Justin Tucker. Mm-hmm. And so, Justin, we're lucky as fans. You mean the Chiefs may be fast encroaching on the Patriots. You may be injured, but we're still near the top of the playoff picture. Yeah. You could be a fan of these four teams, the Lions, the Jaguars, the Texans, and the Jets, who have, who, as it sit right now, were the first four teams eliminated from playoff contention. So I just want to talk about this real quick because rebuilding franchises has always been something that has interested me. Mm-hmm. So, with my interest peaked, where do you think they go from here? Let's start with the Lions. Oh, where do you, where do you even begin with the Lions? Now, thankfully, they didn't go 0-17 or 0-16-1. They actually got a win against the Vikings, which, to be honest, I don't know how they did that. But well, they, they were able to climb back into it and get yeah. a victory. So, congratulations to Detroit. But, oh, my God, where do you begin? They need quarterback help. They need running back help. They need line help. They need back help. They need cornerback help because Jeff Okuda is just not doing it this Well, he's injured this year. And last year, he didn't look like the guy. Wasn't he injured so, last year? Yeah. I think he's just having a rough go at it right now. I think if he wasn't in Detroit, he'd be much better. But he's in Detroit. So, yeah. And, yeah, I hear you. It's just, first of all, let me just say... <laughs> They're the Vikings. The Vikings, you know, when they beat the Vikings, they are the Vikings. I mean, nothing ever comes easy for them. Mm-hmm. But, but we, just the Lions. I think Dan Campbell isn't that bad of a head coach. His scheming isn't terrible. He seems to call the right plays at the right times. But it's his roster. He really doesn't have anyone that can go out there and execute. And outside of, like, Amon Ross, St. Brown, and Quintez Cephas, who has Goff got to throw the ball to? I mean, I guess T.J. Hawkinson, but Hawkinson just, I don't think, is developing as fast as Lion fans would hope. He's a pro bowler. He's fine. Yeah, he's a pro bowler, but I would hesitate to, you know, call him a top five tight end, which is, you know, the highest tight end drafted well before Kyle Pitts. Yeah, because most of them are in, in the AFC. That's true. But it's just, I don't know. I mean, DeAndre Swift is fine when he's active, but it's just the Lions have a lot of retooling to do. And if you are familiar with the process, and now the Lions, like 90% chance they end up with the number one overall pick. The two contenders vying to be number one are defensive lineman Aiden Hutchinson and another defensive lineman, Kayvon Thibodeau. Yeah. Can you spot something wrong? The Lions don't exactly need D-line help. They have the Aquara brothers, and they have Trey Flowers. Yeah. I mean, it's not great, but it's not something you spend at number one overall. So, like, what do they do? Just play GM here. What, what would you do? Do you trade out? Like, what? Yeah, 
trade out and get more pieces to my up for my team. I'm well aware that my team is horrendous, so I need as many picks as I can get to flip them and to get more players. So I trade back and keep trading back until I have enough pieces to where I'm like, okay, well, let's do this thing. Yeah, kind of do it like Miami did last season, you know, where they finagled their way around and got a whole bunch of picks. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. So next, let's talk about the Pete. I was a Pats fan. My favorite punching bag, the New York Jets. Oh, where to begin with them? You know, I feel like they're better. Huh? I feel like they're better than they were last year. Oh, yeah, they are. They are. I mean, Robert Sala has proven to be a capable head coach. Mm -hmm. Zach Wilson, their quarterback, has been wholly uninspiring. Yeah. Uh, the most generic name in the game, Mike White, looks like a better quarterback than him right now. But Mike, yeah, Mike White. We all love Mike White. Uh, 400 plus yards, and he beat this. They beat the Cincinnati Bengals. How did they do that? I, I guess any given Sunday, maybe. I don't know. That is the only answer I can think of. Because how? Why? They beat us. And we were like, okay, we're down against them. And then they face the Jets and they lose. And I was like, thank you for making that y'all Super Bowl. Because, holy hell. I don't like, they're a good team. They just need more players and more, like, personnel around them in order for them to be better. But they're stepping in the right direction. Yeah, I would say they're definitely better than they were last year. The lack of Sam Darnold definitely helps. But there is a piece of very underrated safety by the name of Marcus May, who they tagged this offseason. And this season, through his play and everything, it's become abundantly clear Marcus May does not want to be a New York Jet. And I'm hearing rumors that if they tag him again, he's going to sit out because he just does not – he wants his money, and he doesn't want it from the New York Jets. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely going to be an issue. But the Jets, I believe, have two probably early first-rounders to play with. They have that, and they have uh, Seattle's, I think. Because I know Seattle's not doing well. Because I know they have like another, I know they have two first-round picks. So we'll, we'll leave it at that. So like, what exactly do you think they should do? Well, I think they should get more line help. And I think they should get, like, one more solid receiver. I like Elijah Moore, and I think he's having a – like, he's coming on strong and as a rookie now. But at the same time, I still think they need a, another, like, transcendent weapon to go out and get. I don't yeah. care if, I yeah, don't care yeah, if it's yeah. a running back. I prefer it to be a wide receiver. But I just think that you need to give uh, Zach Wilson another weapon to throw to. Yeah, I mean, they have Corey Davis, they have Elijah Moore. Their tight end is like Tyler Croft. I feel like you're better off addressing that in free agency. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, but they should have early picked. There's a safety who's really high-ranked. I forget his name. I want to say, is it Hamilton? If you know college ball. Yeah, Kyle Hamilton. Yeah, Kyle Hamilton. I feel like if you lose Marcus May, that's the direction you could go in. You could probably go O-line that high because, you know, you already have Kai Becton, Elijah Vera, Tucker. So keep building that. Just give – just – you don't need Wilson to carry a bad team. Just give him pieces, you know, what I feel mm-hmm. is appropriate at this time. Next up, the Jacksonville Jaguars. And Get rid of their coach. Get rid of their Yeah, coach. I was going to say, if I do say so myself, he's got. I go. know it's taboo he's that you never fire a head coach after their first season, but I think it's time to make an exception, don't you? Yeah, he needs to go. Oh, my God, he is reckless. It's like, oh, I'm a winner. You all are losers. Why don't you listen to me? Urban, 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 urban. Real winners don't stay and uh, grind on young girls at an Ohio nightclub. That's things that winners don't do, Urban. You should go. You are a locker room problem. And God save Trevor Lawrence, man. I love yeah, Trevor Lawrence. So I bad. really do. It's he like, was supposed to be rookie of the year. But now they're treating him like this, and it's unfortunate. They benched James Robinson. If they're not going to use James Robinson, uh, uh, 
the Ravens will take him. We will take him. Yeah. I'm they don't even have the ETN to fall back on either. Yeah. Uh, he so, wants to use Carlos Hyde. I don't know why, but that's his preference. I think it's because he went to Ohio State, but I'm like, James Robinson is better than him. Just give him the opportunities he deserves. But it's like, it is what it is. He needs to go. He is ruining that team. Yeah. We need to salvage Trevor Lawrence. We need to salvage ASAP. So let's just say you fire the head coach. Who do you look at to replace him? Ooh. I want to say Eric Bieniemy out of Kansas City. But for some reason, he just doesn't get the opportunities. I hear he doesn't interview well. That's what they said last season. Whatever it is, they they need offense. I think their defense is fine, even though it could be better. I think it's fine for right now, considering they have no offense. So, yeah, I think getting Eric Bieniemy to sit down with Trevor Lawrence and actually coach him, yeah, I think that would do wonders for that team. Yeah. Or if they would like to try their hand at uh, picking another college coach, I would like to say, you know, Ed Orgeron's retiring from LSU. That's a possibility. Although, take it with a grain of salt. I'm a Coach O fan. I really am. Mm-hmm. I'm taking that with a ton of salt. I don't think that's ever going to happen. Yeah, I know. It's just, it's a lot. I mean, if you're the Jags, you can't do much worse. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, like like you said, the main theme, get T-Law some weapons and save him. Because you have a potential franchise quarterback. This kid's the most hyped-up prospect since Andrew Luck. You need him. You, you need him. You need him to be good. And, ah, uh, Jags, please don't ruin him. That's all I ask. Although you're already doing a fine job at that already. Mm-hmm. And now, one last team that I think we should go over is, uh, oh, brother, the Houston Texans. That's oh, the Texans. Get any worse. So, it's the off-season, let's say. It's the off-season. You're the GM, disgraced Patriot, and bum drafter, Nick Casario. What what do you do? Like, where do you go? I feel that the first order of business would be get rid of Deshaun Watson. So, how do you handle that? They won't do it. Yeah, I know, because they want, like, three first-rounders, two seconds, and, like, three players. That's not going to happen. No one player in the league is worth that. If he's the franchise for years to come, I'm not giving him away for peanuts. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, but Deshaun doesn't want to be a Texan anymore. That's tough. That is tough. He should have thought about that before we paid him. If I'm the GM and my quarterback doesn't want to play for me, I'm like, that's tough. I ain't going to move until I get the compensation I want. Now, is it the same compensation that Texans want? No, it's not. But I'm not. Two things. It's hard to move him considering his situation because he just got he's in the middle of a case that if he's guilty of, it's a very bad look. If he's not guilty of, I have to wait until it's over to move him, even though there were teams that were trying to get to him. It's just that they didn't make a move for him. So it's like, uh, and then you have have the rest of the team where, oh, brother, players are literally looking to get traded away from that team. Mark Ingram just left to go back to the Saints. Brandon Cooks was pissed off that Mark Ingram was able to leave, and yet he couldn't go. Yeah, apparently he wanted to leave, and they were trying to trade him, but they wanted a first-rounder for him. I heard, yeah, but I heard that, uh, I think Chicago might have been interested or something like that. I think New England might have been interested. Probably. I'd, I'd but, give that to Mac Jones. But they were really scared away by that uh, first-rounder price tag, you know? Yeah, I'm sorry, but... I mean, I, I just don't think... I love Cooks. I don't think he's worth the first-round pick, do you? Yeah, he's not worth the first round because of the years and because of production-wise. I don't think they'll give it to him, even though he's not bad production-wise. I just don't think they'll give it to him based on age is the main key. He's like 29, so, right? Yeah. And that contract. That contract is a problem, too. Mm-hmm. So it's like they shouldn't, they won't trade players, even though they want to leave. And so then the big problem is Deshaun Watson. They're not going to move him. So that means what? Another year of this? An- yeah, another, not, yeah, yeah. Hopefully not. They do get rid of him. 
and for a reasonable thing. But until then, it's kind of an unfortunate situation. He should have been gone. But Miami didn't want him because Tua came on stronger. And so they are fine with Tua right now. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And uh, if you're the Texans, you got to swallow your pride and maybe take what you can get for him. Because as I know, I know they're not. It's just wishful thinking. But hear me out. Uh, I'm hearing. That's like 40 mil a year sitting yeah. on your bench that's not playing for you and that you can't spend. It's just he's literally a $40 million ball and chain. Picture yeah. this. It's like, it's like a ball and chain around your leg. You've got the key to unlock it and free yourself, but you're like, nah, I don't want them. There's no money in it. Like, just Houston, just rip the Band-Aid off now and trade it. You're not going to get what you want. No team would be willing, with a guy like Watson, who has off-the-field issues, would be willing to give up not one, not two, but three first-round picks, two starters, and two other picks. No one wants to give that up. And if you nope. do, uh, you're a moron. At least a according moron. to me. Well, you don't I want to give it up, do you? I just don't think he wants to. They want to get rid of him because they're aware of the talent that he is. Yeah, that's true. But honestly, if you're the Texans, just yeah, I, I I know he's good. When he's healthy, he's a top five quarterback. No, he's top six. Okay, top six, whatever. Top ten, we can agree on that. Yeah. But I think, I think that's and you've got and you've got yourself a franchise guy who doesn't want to be there. Texans management, if you're listening, which I doubt you are, but if you are, it's just better to rip the bandaid off now and trade it. They're not. They're not going to listen. Yeah, I know they're not going to. Because Nick Casario and Jack Easterby have their heads up there, you know where. They're just not. They won't do it. I wish they would. I I want to see Deshaun Watson play, but again, they'll he'll either he'll sit or he'll man up and play. And I'm not sure he'll do it. Oh, I'll, oh, I'll know he'll sit. That's what I do know. All right, then. Uh, that was a fun discussion. Always lovely talking about the Houston Texans. But we gotta keep this train rolling. And we'll be moving right on to segment four, Sunday's Best, right after this. Mm-hmm. All right, we are back, and this is the Fumble Rooski podcast on Power 88. I am CJ Medeiros with the great Justin Tucker, not the Ravens kicker, the better Justin Tucker, my co-host. And like I said, no Adam. We all know Adam's out tonight. Let's get that out of the way. Mm-hmm. And we are back, and we're going to be reviewing Sunday's best, Buffalo Bills at Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We all know the song and dance. Tampa dominates early, gets out to an early lead. Buffalo chips away, and eventually they roar back to send the game to overtime. But this is Tom Brady. Overtime Tom Brady is a different animal. He comes in clutch to deliver the win. Justin, what are some immediate takeaways from that game? First off, if I'm, if I'm the Buccaneers, I'm like, for strong first half, again, struggle to finish in the second half. I know they got the win in the end because Rashad Perriman, who for some reason plays well, except for when he was in Baltimore, but enough on that later. Uh, enough about that. Uh if it wasn't for Brashad Perriman going all the way, we don't know how that situation goes. Uh, the fact that they allowed Buffalo to get back into that game, which, again, shouldn't have happened. They should have been able to beat them in regulation because of the w- way they were controlling the game almost through three quarters. It really angers me that Tom Brady allowed the Bills to get back into it and almost won that game. So at the same time, I'm – it's a good win, but it's it's a bad win too. They needed that one to eat and keep pace with the Packers and Cardinals, but at the same time, it doesn't look that strong when they almost gave up a lead to the Buffalo Bills, who are struggling too. Yeah, Justin Tucker, I couldn't have said it better myself. Look, if you're Tampa, be happy you got the win, but. No, Buffalo should not have come back. And I get the Bills are a decent team, but 
just they, they just shouldn't have been allowed to come back. Can we all agree on that? Mm-hmm. Tampa, you almost fumbled the bat. You didn't. Good for you. But what if you, but what if it's not the Bills? What if you're playing a team like the Chiefs or the Patriots mm-hmm. or the Packers or the Rams? You really think they're going to be as unclutch as Buffalo? You really think they're going to be like that? No, I promise you they're not. Mm-hmm. And look, you cannot repeat this mistake. Learn what you can learn from it, but do not do this again. That's what mm-hmm. I. That's like all I gotta say. It's like a parent scolding a child. Like, don't do this again. Tampa, you got very lucky that Rashad Perriman decided to not become a bust for one play, and you know Tom Brady with that clutch pass. But just you can't do that against better teams. You just can't. Like I said, take you just take away what you can from this. Just go back to it, and you got to play tired in the second half. We saw it last season, and we're seeing it this season, how they get up to a big lead, and they kind of take their foot off the gas. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. A real contender, I'm not saying they're not real contenders, but a real contender keeps their foot on the gas. They keep You keep your foot on your opponent's neck until you hear that crack. That's the only way to be. And also, speaking of the game, Justin, there is something I'd like to ask you. Yep. Now, the Bills Mafia, the best fans in the NFL, are taking to their keyboards to moan and complain that there were several, yes, several, they counted four or five missed pass interference calls against Stephon Diggs. They state that if it goes their way, they win the game. I, I just, I want to get your thoughts on that. Is this just whiny fan behavior or do they have a point? Again, Pass interference calls kind of go, or kind of can go either way. It depends on what the referee sees. So if they don't see it, then it is what it is. I can't, I can't, I want to argue about it, but at the same time, it, the referees will consistently either miss calls or call something that wasn't there to begin with. I had to deal with that when the Brown, when we had to face the Browns last week, and Jarvis Landry pulled down my cornerback, and yet my cornerback got called for pass interference. I don't know how he got, how Jarvis got away with that. I don't know how these wide receivers keep getting away with murder, but it happens from time to time. So as far as the pass interference, sometimes you'll get it, sometimes you won't. So Bills fans, if you're ever listening. I'm sorry, but that's just the way the NFL is. Either it happens or it doesn't. It depends on what ref you get and what they see. So, but I don't blame it on Stefan Diggs may or may not be getting calls that y'all just didn't play up to snuff. And you guys were down like two or three scores. It didn't really matter until you guys started to come back. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And I will say there I would only say there was really one super egregious miss. But above all, I wouldn't say it wasn't. I mean, I'll admit, like I said, there was one really bad miss. But other than that, but Bills fans, you lost. You had a chance to come back and you failed. Kindly stop whining. I I wouldn't say kindly stop whining because I do like Bills fans because they're very nice. No, they're not. I've met them. They they, they are. They're nice. They're They're not. You've met Bills fans then. They are nice. Well, Bills I must be meeting. Yeah, I must have drawn the short straws when it comes to meeting Bills fans, then, huh? Yeah, because from what I hear, if if you face the Bills, they will donate to a charity of your team's choosing. Yeah, they did it for Lamar when they beat us in the wild card. They did it for Andy Dalton when they when the Bengals beat us and allowed the Bills to get into the playoffs. And they're a very nice team. I, I respect them. For, our fan base, I respect them for it. But I guess it's just one of those situations where they felt like they got screwed. Yeah, all right, fair enough. I respect your opinion. And one last thing I want to touch on here Mm. from uh, Sunday's Best. So we all know Aaron Rodgers said to the Bears, I still own you. Absolutely. Does the same principle apply to Tom Brady and the Bills? Yeah, at least he has a lease on it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, mean, I don't care what the Pagula family says. That's the Bills owners, for those of you who don't know. 
Tom Brady's the real owner of the Bills. Aaron Rodgers owns the Bears. Tom Brady owns the Bills. Like Adam Schefter said, their stakes in those franchises grew a little bit wider this past week, I would say. Yes, they did. Yep. All right, people. And now it is time for segment five, the Fumble Rooski fan box, the fan favorite, where, you know, where you post a question or we post a question, you guys answer it, and we'll shout you out on the pod. And that is coming up right after this. All right. You are listening to the Fumble Rooski Podcast on Power 88. I am CJ Medeiros, and that guy, that beautiful man right there, that's Justin Tucker. Once again, no Adam Wright. Adam's out tonight. So, uh, and, you know, we miss him, but mm-hmm. the show must go on. Yes, and now it's time for everyone's favorite segment, the Fumble Rooski Fan Box. We post a question... And you guys can respond with your hot takes, your own questions, and more. We'll discuss it and give you a shout-out on the podcast. Respond to next week's fan box question to be featured on our show. So, here is the question of the week. Who put up the most impressive stat line? Mm-hmm. We had uh, two answers here. The first from Patrick Williver, I believe. Am I pronouncing that right? Yeah. yeah Thank you. Yeah, Williver. He says... Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons is an interesting one, yes. I I would incline to agree as far as defenders go, that man came to play. And uh, I say it's high time that we stop looking at him as defensive rookie of the year and maybe, just maybe, sprinkle in a little bit of defensive player of the year love. I'm not saying he's going to get it, but he deserves at least a nod of recognition. What do you think, Justin? I think he does. I think he's deserved it. He's been one of the bright spots of the Cowboys. I believe he's one of the leaders of the Cowboys already. He's changed that defense from what it was last year to what it is now. And I took my head off to him. He's a game changer. Yeah, yeah, you are correct. And I know, I know everybody loves old old Trayvon Diggs. But Michael Parsons, man, that's where it's at. 75 total tackles, 12 sacks as like probably the most versatile linebackers in the league, and three forced fumbles. This man is playing on another level. Yeah, and to put it in perspective how good he's been playing, Khalil Mack won his MVP in 2016. He's playing better than him right now. Indeed. His stats are better than his. I know I understand why that might be because Khalil Mack probably had to deal with more double teams at that time than – Michael Parsons does, but that's pretty good company to keep for a rookie. Oh, yeah. You are 100% correct. And here's a bit of a history lesson. The last defensive rookie who won Defensive Player of the Year was the Giants' great Lawrence Taylor. So just just by even being mentioned the same breath as him, that's a mighty high praise for Michael Parsons. Mm-hmm. So... The other response came from Nick West Coast. He says, and I quote, Kittle or Dalvin Cook. Both were monsters and the reasons their team won. Also, before I hand it off to you, Justin, I want to say in one of my fantasy leagues, the guy I was going up against left Dalvin Cook on his bench. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I salute you. So, Justin, what do you what do you think about Cook and Kittle? I I'd prefer Cook over Kittle this this week because he had two touchdowns and over 200 yards. And that's impressive. Um, he was he was questionable to even play, let alone put up these numbers. He was like, oh, I'm going up against Pittsburgh. They're struggling. Let me get that. And he got that. Oh, he definitely got that all right. Two touchdowns and over 200 yards rushing and was a main contributor of why they were able to squeeze out the victory against the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, yeah. I think he was the offensive guy as much as Michael Parsons was the defensive guy. Yeah. And I do think that he uh, definitely deserves that nod over George Kittle. But I like George Kittle. I'll give him some love. Kittle did have a season-high 13 catches for a season second-best 151 yards and a touchdown on top of it. 
So like I said, I, I'll give him love. I, I will. Kittle was also great, but Dalvin Cook, I think, you know, definitely kind of gets the nod over Kittle. Kind of like how Parsons gets the nod over every other defender. Mm-hmm. But it's still not bad for Kittle to have back-to-back weeks of over 100-plus yards. Yep, you're right. 150-plus yards. My bad. Quite right. Quite mm-hmm. right. <sighs> so, so yeah, that'll do it for the Fumble Rooski fan box. And, uh, yeah, a bit of a light one this week. We'll uh, try to, you know, we'll try to think of something else next week. So, uh, before we head out, Justin, do you have anything that you would like to tack on? Something that we maybe not, maybe something that we maybe didn't discuss? Um, no. Now is your chance. Other than my struggles as a Ravens fan dealing with injuries, and God help us if Devontae Adams is playing. Yeah, no, I have nothing else to say. Yep. Yeah, man, I am uh, truly sorry about that. It is what it is, the schedule. Yeah, man, uh, I hear you. I mean, the Pats have been there before, and you know, but like I said before, at least you can maybe take some comfort in the fact that you're not actually a bad team, just injuries. And you're what, nine and four or something like that? Or eight, eight and five. Eight and five. That's yeah, not terrible. Yep. So, mm-hmm. like I said, you can just hang your hat on that. I mean, maybe not, maybe you're not going to the Super Bowl, but you guys will definitely be back next year. You have a bright future. I hope so. <laughs> Yeah, let's not jinx anything. All right, guys. That With that, that's going to do it for now. Thank you for listening to us. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Check us out on Spotify, Spreaker, and Google Podcasts. Also, if you're not already, make sure to follow our Instagram, at FumbleRooski underscore podcast, to keep up with our podcast and the latest coverage on the other uh, – on the NFL. Sorry latest coverage on the NFL, please follow our podcast. Once again, that is at FumbleRooski underscore podcast on Instagram. Please drop a follow. We would greatly appreciate it. Otherwise, we will see you next week. Over and out. Bye.